Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Well, stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up, cup your hand, devil's dumb. He's like, what are they doing? It's, it's the new transparent version. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, this month I've been doing this the best of the best, taking excerpts from different, different sermons and uh, bringing those to a place, a sharp point uh, throughout the summer to try to just get us focused on some things that I believe are most important in our lives. My focus is always uh, trying to get us to uh, embrace our personal identity, who we are, not who someone else is, and then uh, to bring that down to an even sharper point, we oftentimes look at the one word, Christian, and then we begin to ask the question, what does that look like? Well, to be honest with you, it looks different, and it comes in a variety of ways. Now, there's only one way to heaven, that's Jesus. However, our journeys uh, are often very different. There are people, for instance, who uh, love and experience God, if you will, while being outside in nature. There are other people, extremely introverted people maybe, who enjoy their time with God in a closet or in a prayer room. I know people who have designated places in their house. I, uh, I've had designated places in my house where I feel the presence of God uh, different than I would in another room. Uh, even more specifically, I've had times where I had what I call my prayer chair, where it wasn't that the chair was anointed, but when I sat there, it was a designated place for me to have an experience with God. And so uh, oftentimes we never get to that place where we possess the identity that God put on us. We have an identity that's connected to our upbringing, to our families, uh, what they believed, what Christianity was to our families growing up or what it wasn't. And so the difficult thing is, is identifying who you are and me identifying who I am in my life. I, I've, I've often wrestled, believe it or not, with, with who I am. Because I'm not, and again, this is not elevating me, but it's different. I like to laugh, and some of you that come to Mosaic know that. I enjoy laughter. I enjoy having a good time. I met with the band right before service, and I said one thing I would always ask of anyone on this stage is make sure you have fun. Now, see, that's not very deep and theological. Matter of fact, people who might be very, you know, sober in church, and, and I'm not talking about sober from not drinking, I'm talking about sober in soul, 
that they would have a hard time with that. But uh, that's my identity, and I've had to embrace that. And that's not always been easy because when you measure who I am versus uh, someone else, if I were to compare, and that's not their fault, it'd be mine, I may look at myself and say, you know, I, I really don't fit the mold that, that, I, that God put me in, but God put me in it. So therefore, I fit the mold that he put me in, but maybe not all of Christianity. Is it making sense here? Because we oftentimes struggle finding ourselves and who we are in Christ. And hopefully today's message, I can bring some of that to us. In First Peter chapter 2, and, and this will be very, very important because prefacing this, God chose you to be you. God chose you with the personality that you have. God chose you with the gifts that he put in you. He didn't say, okay, one size fits all. I wish it did. Then we'd all be clones and there would be no comparing. And Somebody's better than me. I'm not as good a Christian as somebody else. And, and uh, that's always been the challenge for young Christians is I, I don't measure up. Even confident people coming out of the world oftentimes become very insecure inside Christianity because religion has framed Christianity. And, and that's not really a bad thing, but it's not a good thing either because religion says these are the things I must do. And uh, Christianity says this is the thing God had to do to have a relationship with us. We needed a perfect sacrifice. And, and in, the, in order to do that, he had to send his only son and give his life for us. And so I, I would hope that at the end of the day, there would be a certain amount of liberty when you leave here that you would say, you know, I'm going to be the best version of me that God created. The best version of me. Not the best version of, of religion. Not the best version of how people might measure my Christianity. But the best version of me. And, and so often, we, we look at all the things that we do and other people do. Uh, and we measure those things outside of what I consider to be the most pivotal part of Christianity. And I can boil it down to this, love. Love never fails. And so if, if, I, if I am a lot of good things, I'm, I'm a great usher, I'm a great greeter, I'm a great uh, children's worker, I'm, whatever I'm great at maybe in the church, that's not the greatest measure of who I am. I can do all of those things and I can even do them well, but if I do not have love, the Bible says I'm a clanging symbol. So I want you to get this in you because I, I know a lot of, you know, Brandon, the, the, our worship guy here, the, you know, the, one of the most gifted guys I've ever seen. Uh, he can sing, he can play instruments, he can preach. I mean, he's just all around. If I were to compare myself with Brandon, I would find myself coming up way short. But, but I don't compare because he's doing what God gifted him to do. So now I celebrate him versus compete with him. You see, and, and you can ask why God chose you to do certain things. That's not important. Just do the things you were chosen to do. Now, with that said, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. So, you're chosen by God, and he says all of you are chosen by God. So this is the beauty of, of what I love about God, is everybody is chosen. You say, well, why isn't everybody born again? Because not everybody chooses him. 
But he has chosen everybody. In all of the diversity, all of the different things that we bring to the table of faith, the table of the church, the table of Christianity, you are chosen. Now, many people don't walk in their chosenness. Because the minute you accept Christ, the devil will come and try to make you into somebody you're not. It's the greatest, the greatest fight that we have is being us. Living inside the lane that God put us in. And, and the difficulty is we always admire other people's giftedness and how talented they are. But before you know it, we've never looked in the mirror and said, you know, God gave me some things too. And embracing those things. And so it's very important as we read this scripture that we're chosen, high calling for priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something from rejected to accepted. It, every year throughout the year, I, I, I used to be a really sports fanatic. I've backed off a lot because it's become so political. And we have more than enough politics without athletics and sports. And uh, so, but they make a really big deal of it. I mean, these players are watched from the time, some of them now in high school, throughout their college years, and you have NFL owners, for instance, in football, just salivating over the possibility of getting a person that has allowed their gift to shine. And they call it, you know, one team has, is, has a first choice. They get to choose first and second and third, and, and they, they get to choose. And so they find these people, and they say, I, our number one choice is so-and-so. There's a lot of hype that goes into it. And, and once that number one player is chosen, probably the worst place to be chosen is number one. Because when you're chosen number one, you are expected to be head and shoulders above all the other players that are chosen. There are expectations. And, and, and when we get chosen, God is not looking like that. He's looking and saying, I made everybody fearfully and wonderfully. So when we get chosen, and we are chosen, we don't get, we are chosen, there are things that come with that, and the disappointment is not God being disappointed in us. It's us not being excited, and we're being disappointed about our performance or lack of. Now, when I say this, this is not about salvation. There's nothing you can do to perform to be saved. There's not one thing other than calling on the name of the Lord, but once... We get born again. Once we ex choose him as he has chosen us, the fulfillment of our walk in Christ, the fulfillment of our faith, is found in doing what we have been chosen to do. Now, I want to be very careful here because I don't want you in your mind to be thinking that my Christianity, my salvation, and my eternity is wrapped up in what I do. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about finding joy in life once you've accepted being chosen. What am I going to do with my chosenness? Now, I remember in school, fortunately, I was a good athlete. Wasn't great, but I was good. I could play every sport. And on the playground, we would, uh, 
we would pick teams. Some of you may remember this. I don't know if they do it anymore because some parent would probably sue that their kid wasn't picked. You know, you can't do anything anymore unless everybody, you know, and I'm thinking, no, no, everybody, you know, I'd give it, I played piano when I was a kid and I played ball. And so we, we didn't have a lot of money. So my parents said, you got to choose because we can't be buying you uniforms and gloves and, and all of that and paying for piano lessons. Well, I didn't know enough when I was a kid to know that someday there'd be Aerosmith. You know, I'm sure Steven Tyler was a klutz on the basketball court, but he made a lot more money than I did singing. Okay, so, so I, 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 we, we would pick. So I, I would always find myself being picked in, you know, as one of the top five if it was basketball or whatever because I was, I was good at it. But then there was the kid who never got picked. He's like at the back of the line going, pick me. And everybody's going, oh, don't pick him. You know, but, but he was begging to be chosen. <clears throat> and, and that's a difficult place to be. And there are people in the world today <clears throat> that don't realize you don't have to beg God to be chosen. You are chosen. Now, the difference is this, that when you are chosen, God has a place for every human being on earth. You have a place that God will shine the spotlight on. You have a gift and an anointing that, that you need to find in order to find the fulfillment that God wants us to find in Christianity. A lot of people will live their whole life, not in sin, but they'll live their whole life outside of what God chose them to do once they choose Him. So that it begins with this all-encompassing you're chosen, but then God has a place for you, a work for you to do, a priestly work for you to do, a kingdom work for you to do, but you don't pursue that because you're thinking too large. I was on a call yesterday with pastors from Europe to California, and there are about 15 of us on there, and I'm invited to that every week, and some weeks I make it, some weeks I don't. But we're talking about this issue of what habits we develop and and we're trying to break this down into you know what are the it takes you know i've heard numerous things 60 days 30 days to create a habit but the point was when they asked me what do you think i said well here's how i've had to live my life categorically because if i say well what are my habits well then i have to start thinking real hard uh, about all the the habits in my life but if i say hold it let me do this i said let me say this you have a spiritual category. What are your spiritual habits? What are your soul habits? Your mind, will, emotions, your behavior. What are those habits? Just, but I broke it down to your mind. How do you think? Do you have a habit of thinking negatively? Do you have a habit of being negative? Do you have a habit of being angry? Do you have a, and some of you don't even think you have a habit until somebody points it out, and then you get mad that they pointed it out, therefore they prove their point. You have an anger issue. No, I don't. So you, you, you are as you think. So I said, my thing is spiritually, what are my spiritual habits? So I said, well, you know, spirits, my spiritual habits are I listen to probably a sermon a day on average, probably five a week. Not mine, because I sound like a chipmunk to me. My own voice. I hate hearing my own voice, but I love listening to other preachers. So I have a habit spiritually of listening to other people that, that aren't like me. 
uh, Tim Keller, who has now passed into eternity from pancreatic cancer just a month or so ago, uh, pastored First Presbyterian Church in, in New York City. A great teacher, very different than me, but very insightful, actually a lot smarter than me. So, you know, if, if you don't feel quite as smart as somebody else, don't critique them, listen to them. And so that's a spiritual habit for me, putting God first, praying. I have a spiritual habit of tithing and giving. That These are habits I've developed. Some people tip God. It starts with a T, but it's not tithe. And so you say, but here we go again. No, I've developed from an early stage, I developed a habit of tithing. Then I developed a habit of giving. These are spiritual things. You wonder why you may not be feeling God. It's not that God has moved or removed himself from you. It's that you have distanced yourself from God. I make a spiritual habit of forgiving. I don't want to all the time, but it's a habit that I had to develop because people will hurt you. People will offend you. And, and, and so there are people who need to forgive me because in their mind, I've done something to them. And, and I would pray that they could do that, not for my sake, but for their sake. I want to forgive not because I like you. I want to forgive because I know God told me to. It's a spiritual habit. And some people think, well, if I forgive, I have to like them. No, you don't. You don't even have to hang out with them. Well, if I forgive them and they tell me, well, if you really forgave me, you'd hang out with me. No, because you were bad for me and I'm bad for you. Let's not go there. See, and so, so sometimes we connect the dots in a wrong way. So I said, these are spiritual habits. And I said, the second thing is I've developed mental habits. In order for me to walk out my chosenness in God, I have to develop mental habits that keep me on track. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks... So what are you thinking about? So I'm constantly challenging my thinking. And I'm catching myself now. Used to, I would challenge what I said. But the reality is I say what I think. So you see what happens? I started developing spiritual habits instead of saying, watch what you say. No, I'm going to start watching what I think. Because if I don't think about something, then I won't say that which I'm not thinking about. So if you want to tell your husband he's an idiot, stop thinking he's an idiot. And you won't call him an idiot. Because you no longer think he's an idiot. You know he is. No, I'm just kidding. So the point being, I said, if we're going to become the chosen of God, we have to develop our chosenness. Now, we're always chosen, but I don't want to just be, hey, I'm chosen by God and all that. If a, if a first-round pick, a quarterback's chosen first, guess what? They expect him to perform. Now, I believe not, not God's not going to love me anymore for preaching. God's not going to love me anymore for serving. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying this. God does expect me to bear fruit. Thank you. God, now this is, I'm going to get in your business right now. God's going to expect you to serve as well. Oh, now, pastor, really? Yeah, really. 
You know how many unfulfilled Christians there are? Not because they're not Christians, not because they don't love God and are loved by God, but because they have not exercised their position in chosenness. God chose you for a purpose. He didn't choose you just to go to heaven. He chose you to bring heaven to earth. He chose you to be a reflection of him, of his light, of his love, of his glory. And people say, well, I, I just, I, I don't know, being a Christian, going to church, and what you told me is you're not found your lane and you're not running in it. I, I, everything I'm saying today will make you a happy Christian. And these are just about three or four things I'm going to say that will make you a happy Christian. Give, forgive, serve, love, think right. A lady just recently said that she came here. She would come on Sunday. She would show up right, time, right when church started. And then right after church is over, right after we shouted hallelujah real loud, she'd leave. She said, I didn't know anybody. She said, then I started serving and I started developing relationships and friendships. I started getting to know people. Now you can't keep her from serving. If I told her you can't serve on a Sunday, she said, but I have to. Some people say, yeah, well, I serve once a month. I mean, well, God bless you. <laughs> See how that flies in the face of all the prophets. Well, I served at my church once a month. Well, I'm thankful for you. I really am. But there's more in you than that. There's far more in you than that. And, and so if I don't challenge that and elevate your thinking to get to the place where you've decided I'm going to do more than just being, I was chosen for more than to make imprints in seats in the house of God. I mean, I look around, some of y'all been sitting in the same place so long, we're going to have to replace the chair. We have cheek issues. I told you I wish I was like other people. I'm just not. Because I, I believe that when I got born again, it wasn't just so I could escape hell and that I could say, wow, man, I, I dodged a bullet. I'm going to go to heaven. Look, going to heaven is the, the first step and really the biggest step and the easiest step because Jesus paid. You didn't. He paid. Then he says, all I'm going to ask you to do is be the servant. Be a servant. Give. Tithe. Forgive. Do all these things. That, why is he saying that? Because that's where you're going to find your greatest blessing. That's where you're going to find your greatest joy. I mean, just coming to church, and I'm not mad at you. Some of you will never, you'll go away, and, and you'll be defiant because I pastor said, I ain't doing it. Pastor said, do it, I ain't doing it. And if your mom and dad were here, they'd say, he's always been that way. I'd tell him to do something, he'd just say, uh-uh. So I said, spiritual habits, mental habits, physical habits. I believe in, in what Oral Roberts taught, and I went to school there. I graduated, proud graduate of that university. And he said there are three things, spirit, mind, and body, and I've never forgotten it. If you'll take care of these things and you'll develop habits for which you were chosen. You see, I plan to preach until the day I die. This is not like, well, you know, I'm going to retire. I'd be bored out of my mind if I didn't come and yell at people like you. 
I'd just be bored. I'd be like, I ain't, I ain't helping nobody. You know, I'm just, I'm just out living my life, just breathing air that somebody else could use. <laughs> Sucking in oxygen that somebody who's actually doing something might be able to do it better if I wasn't taking up some of their airspace. You see, you were chosen for a purpose. There's a reason. He said, a priestly work, holy people, you're his instrument to do his work and speak out for him to tell others of the night and day difference he made in you. It's the reason we have these little hello cards to invite people to Mosaic. When I was a youth pastor, I'd ask my teenagers, I said, if you were taken to court in a country that didn't allow Christianity, would there be enough evidence of your faith to convict you? Would the prosecutors be able to say, he is a Christian, and let me give you the reasons I know he's a Christian. That's when I was a youth pastor. You know, you sometimes just had to shake those teenagers, scare the hell out of them. You just had to. It's like, y'all don't get this yet, do you? Let me tell you something. I'm not sure it was the right thing to do, but I did it. Because I, I like to rattle cages. I like my cage to be rattled, man. I, li I like to be challenged. I don't, I don't want to just be a, a mediocre, milquetoast Christian that's just always walking around. And I want to be, I want to challenge myself. I want to challenge others. I want to challenge you to the point where you so I'll prove to you that I know I'm chosen. I'm going to find my place. Before I came back to Oklahoma City, I was thinking of about a million things to do other than preach. Not because I didn't want to preach, because I thought God was done with me. And I wasn't even mad at God. I thought, wow, that means I don't have to get up early on Sunday morning. I'm going to have to study on Saturday while everybody else is out playing. I'm in there going in the Word. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to coast her out. He said, yeah, let's check that out. So I'm still the guy going to bed early on Saturday, studying on Saturday, studying on Friday, getting up early on Sunday, praying, God, give me something to say and help them hear it. And if it's really bad, just make their, create soul interference. Let them hear something you're saying that I'm not saying that I should be saying, but I don't know that you're saying it. Help me, oh Jesus. Why? Because this is my lane. But, but I, during that process, that two-year window where I was out of ministry for a while, I had opportunities that were crazy cool. One was to run a TV station in Europe. Another one was to run real estate in, in the Bahamas. Oh, trust me, the devil was on fire. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't offering me passing out flyers at Walmart. Nuh-uh. He had me going to places that were sexy and romantic. I, I had my, I was gone. And God said, you just think you're gone. I didn't choose you for those things. Now, I've chosen you for salvation. I've chosen you to be my kid. But you have a distinct and unique call on your life, as does everyone that gets born again. Nobody has your fingerprint but you. And some of y'all haven't been printed yet. You've got to find that place to find his joy. Not to find your eternity, not to find your sight. You have to find that place to find his joy. 
And, and so we get real soft sometimes when it comes to Christianity and we, we look around and we go, well, they do this, so I'm going to do that. Or they're okay doing this, so I'll be okay doing this. Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to do things the way God put it in me to do. It may be different than, you know, 300 million other people. Probably not, but we'll think so. But the joy of life is living the life God called you to live. It doesn't matter if I agree with you or not. And it doesn't matter if you agree with me. My job is to love you, and your job is to love me. We wrestle over things. We argue about things that, that you know, I don't want to change you. I want you to surrender to God because whatever you surrender to God, He will make work in your life. And we're busy because we care so deeply about other people, and we always think we're right. Because I, I know God in a way you don't know God. Or you say, I know God in a way you don't know God, Mark. And I'm thinking, that's not a bad thing. You know God in a way I might not know God. But I'm doing my best to know God for me so that I will know what God wants for me. I am so thankful for the diversity of, of, of expression. Now, there's only one experience that gets us to heaven, and that's through Jesus. But there are many expressions that connect us to him. There are churches that don't use musical instruments. They just don't. And, and I used to really judge them for that. But then I heard them sing, and I thought they sing better than churches that do because the music's not drowning them out. So they have to be on pitch. They work hard at it. There are other churches that they do Pilates on Sunday morning. Get on your knees, stand up, sit down, rise up, sit down, get on your knees. They're in great shape. Pilates Church, the most fit church in town. They express it differently. Their expression of their relationship with God is different than ours. Some people say your music's too loud. Other people say music's too soft. It depends. Are you a rock and roller or what are you? And, and, and people complain about different things instead of just saying, you know what? This is where God put me. I'm going to excel here. I'm going to excel here. It's kind of like if you get drafted by the Cleveland Browns. You just have to go, I'm going to excel. We're going to lose. But I'm going to excel in the organization. And, and they might look at the team as a loser, but they're not going to look at me as a loser. Because I'm going to excel in the environment in which God put me. That's how to make the best out of life, is quit making excuses. I'm going to tell this story again. It's one of my favorite stories. I'll never forget it. And you, some of you have heard it, and some of you are new. You haven't heard it, but there were two brothers. They were twins, and, and the parents, as they were raising them, they raised them the same way. They looked just alike, except they were very different. One of the brothers was an extreme optimist, and the other was an extreme pessimist. It didn't matter what the parents did for him. It, it, he was just, you know, I don't deserve it. Nothing, yeah. And the other brother just woke up every day expecting great things to happen. And so as the kids got older, they got concerned. And so they took him to a psychologist and they explained the situation. And he said, I think I can, I can identify the problem, fix the problem. So the next visit, he had two separate rooms with... Is it, is it where you could see into the room, but they couldn't see out of the room? And so he put the kids in these two separate rooms, and he, he put the, the pessimistic kid in a room that was filled with toys and, 
everything a kid that age could want. Which just feel was awesome. And they thought, the psychologist thought, we'll, we'll get him to see how awesome this is. They, they put the optimistic kid in a room filled with horse manure. They thought, he's going to sit there and he'll, he, this is real life. He'll realize that, you know, everything's not like he thinks it is. So they leave him in the room and they come and leave him there for a little while. And they come and they look into the room of the pessimist kid with all the toys. And he's just sitting in the middle of the floor doing nothing. And they thought, wow, that's terrible. And they thought, I wonder what the optimistic son's doing. So they walk over and look in the window. And there is manure flying all over that room. I mean, it just looks like snow. And the psychologist is shocked, so shocked. They open the door and said, what are you doing? He said, with this much manure, there's bound to be a pony in here somewhere. That ought to be Christianity. In all of the stuff we're going through, all of the manure of life, rather than going, it's always happening to me, go, no, there's got to be some prize underneath here somewhere. But we have Christians listening to CNN and CNBC and Fox and all these networks and how bad it's going to be and how everything's going to plummet. Let me tell you something. With all that manure going on, God's got something about to happen in your world. So quit listening to the negative and, and start expecting things from a God who created heaven and earth, who flung the galaxies before us. He is the God we serve. And no matter how bad things get in this world, in my world, they're only going to get better. God can do a miracle in one millisecond. You're worrying about something that may not ever happen and you worry about it every day. What's going to happen when we get old? You're going to get old. That's what's going to happen. But I will never get crusty. Matter of fact, if you're happy, if you're really happy and you smile a lot, people will think you're 10 years younger than you are. But when you, when you don't ever smile and you look like an old raisin, you look 10 years older than you are. Some of y'all need to notify your face that you're still breathing. You're still alive. Quit saying, I'm so old. I'm barely, I'm old. And you convince yourself that you, everything that comes with old is coming to you. I'm going to tell you, I have a, you're talking about habits. My goal is when I am 70, which is not that far away that I will be bench pressing 300 pounds at 70 years old. I share that with you because I'm holding myself accountable. I've done it before. I've done it when I, I've worked out with more than that. But I said, when I get 70, it'll really be something. And so I'm just going to do it. I've thought about other things I want to do just to defy age. Well, you know, I'm old. Well, you stay old. Don't hang around me. I want us to realize we were chosen to be a reflection of God. When Caleb was 85 years old, he said, I'm as strong now as I was then. Give me the land. 85. He said, bring it on. He wasn't sitting there going, well, I think I need to get one of these other guys to make me a rocking chair. You won't make it here. I will stir you up. You'll be skipping out. 
I get so tired of people expecting to get old and having everything replaced. You'll be bionic. New knees, new hips. Problem is you can't get a new brain. <laughs> you're the kind of person that your hip replacement will rust. <laughs> You'll be like the tin man. <laughs> get up every morning oiling your hips. <laughs> That's what negative people do. Well, you know, it didn't work. Yeah, because you didn't go to rehab. I just thought it was going to work. No. You... I'm coming back. But see, when, when you're chosen, maybe you don't realize how valuable that is. God picked you. Your parents may have said you were an accident. You look and say, well, you're dumb enough to make an accident, but God had a plan for me so good that he overrode your stupidity. God just showed you who God was. We can't. We don't want another baby. I want you to have one. And you've listened to that and listened to that instead of saying, God loved me so much. He looked at my parents and said, you're so dumb, I'm going to have a kid that's really smart. And they're coming through you. You're chosen. We're all chosen. We have a purpose. And the, the, the sooner we identify the purpose of God and we begin to do something, whatever it might be, we will intersect with God's purpose, even if you're doing something, anything at all. You just start doing I mean, I started in the ministry by driving a yellow banana school bus with 50 kids on it to a youth camp. I'm called to preach. God said, right now you're driving a bunch of annoying teenagers. And if you'll do that, I might do something else with you, but I want to see what you'll do. Trust me. I thought I was going to be go to prison for murder. If you don't get me off this bus, my purpose will be prison ministry. Because I'm taking some of these kids out, and I don't mean to eat. I'm taking them to the bus station. Some of y'all got it, and most of you didn't. Google it. I'm mad at myself. I never get to the second page. I have the longest introductions of any pastor in the world. Well, we're almost done, and that was the introduction. I get carried away. I get inspired. I get, I get, I get excited because when I think about God choosing, I wouldn't have chosen me to do this. And, and most people that knew me were equally surprised. But I love to encourage people. I love to help people find their place. See, what will happen is the minute you start doing something, the devil will tell you what you're doing is insignificant. And he will discourage you. And you'll believe it. It's funny how much people believe the devil and don't believe God. That's amazing to me because the devil's a loser. He lost. He's, he has a history of losing. All you have to do is read the Bible. Every, all the way throughout the Bible, he's a loser. He thought he had Jesus on the cross. I finally got him. 
and everybody's watching. It's a public display. It looked like Jesus had lost until three days later. The tomb was empty. They never found him. He did leave some clothes behind. That's only because he got a, a new wardrobe. Don't be thinking anything different. You see, there is a purpose for you. You're chosen. You're not just chosen to go to heaven. God said, I, will, I don't want anyone to perish. I want everyone to come to repentance. The challenge is, is understanding that there's not one thing you can add to that. But once you get born again, when you, when you realize, when you really realize how much God loves you, you'll become a different person. I was so thankful I got born again, I would do anything. I, I would do anything. I just, I was so glad to be free. If the church needed anything done, I was the guy that showed up at church before the pastor. Actually, before the, I, I was so born again that I'd be in the parking lot, it'd be the only car waiting for the church doors to open. Because I didn't want to sin anymore, and I knew if I didn't get to the church, I probably would. I used church as an anti-sin mechanism. Because other than that, I would have been out at another building, and you know what I'm talking about. I was chosen, and for the first time in my life, I realized I really, I was chosen because of love, not because of skill. See, when you're an athlete, you're chosen because of your skill set, but when, when you're chosen by God, you're chosen because of love. That he wants you, and he knows that, that he has a plan for your life that's going to be fulfilling. But most of us go back to default. We, we do what we were told to do by a teacher, by a parent. We were told what we couldn't do, so we don't do it. The stories go on and on of great people. If you read them, they weren't supposed to be great according to the world's standards. They couldn't read. Meltilus could sing without stuttering, but he couldn't talk without stuttering. And you'd think, this guy will never make it as a music, as an artist. And yet, he's one of the most memorable ones ever because when he talked, he did it like this. But then when he began to sing, it was beautiful. You see, sometimes you just overcome. You take one more step, and the stuttering goes away. You take one more step, and the fear goes away. You take one more step, and that what you couldn't do, you can now do because God told you how to do it differently. We look at all the things, the roadblocks, the insecurities. We focus on things that keep us from moving forward. You see, nothing's impossible with God. If somebody told you, you can't be this, you can't do that, and, and when you start doing it, that's what you listen to is that voice of doubt, and this is where you have to change how you think. I'm going to obey God regardless. I'm going to do what God wants me to do regardless. I don't care how stupid it looks. I'm going to do what God says to do. All you have to do is go throughout the Bible. Even Moses was a, was a stutterer. And he tried to use that as an excuse to keep from being in the will of God. And God said, I'll fix that. I'll bring Aaron alongside you. Uh, you're not going to get out of this, Moses. It's not going to happen. Apostle Paul was an accessory to murder. David, accessory to murder. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. Actually, he called the murder. So I don't know if you call that an accessory. It was, 
He paid for the hit. That's how we'd say it today. He could have easily said, I've done too much. I've deviated from your plan. Instead, he stayed with it. See, some of you made mistakes. Some of you have done things, and you think you've been disqualified. You haven't been disqualified. You disqualified yourself. That's how come we at Mosaic, we want people to serve regardless of their past. And that's one of the things I said. The cross was a demonstration of God's love. The empty tomb was a demonstration of God's power. God loves you no matter where you've been, what you've done. You have to accept his chosenness. You have to accept what he's called you to do. He won't force you to do it. He won't make you do it. And you're going to get mad at everybody else. And the reality is you don't have to be mad at anyone. You get to make choices because you have been chosen. Choose to use your salvation for something more than a trip to heaven. Help other people get there. Help other people get there. And you know what? You might do it different. I mean, Jesus himself, we just, we read the Bible from the perspective that we are comfortable with. I'm not really that comfortable with everything Jesus did, which really shakes me. Jesus was invited to parties nobody else was invited to. The religious people hated him. You say, what kind of parties? Well, I, the first miracle, they turn them water into wine. Sorry, religious people. Then a, a woman of question shows up, and there's Jesus at the same place, another place. All the places he shouldn't be. And the Pharisees were never invited. <laughs> Jesus is intriguing to me. I mean, it, it, he's more than just a savior. He's just like, he just did things because he loved people so much. And he wanted to draw people to the Father. And he went to the people that thought they didn't have a chance. I was one of those people in modern day. I didn't think I had a chance. Early on in my life, I thought I didn't have a chance. Surely I've done way too much for his love to to embrace me. And so at Mosaic, we have a lot of people who've done way too much to think that God would embrace you, and yet he does. I'm not trying to minimize following him in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm not saying that I should do my own thing. I want to do his thing, but I want to do it within my, my personality. And that's different than maybe some other people's personality. And you won't do it because you don't match up to what they look like. I, when I first started preaching, I thought the anointing came because you had wingtips on. My pastor had wingtips. Ugliest shoes ever made. And some of you are probably wearing them, and I know I'm sticking my foot in my mouth. Pardon the pun. But I hated them. I thought those are the most uncool shoes, but they seemed to work. And so I bought some, and they didn't work. It's like buying PF flyers because you thought you could run faster. That's what you were convinced of. Well, if I get those tennis shoes, I can cut my time down tremendously. No, you're still slow. This is not about the outside. It's about the inside. It's about what God's put in you. You are chosen. What are you going to do with your chosenness? What are you going to do? Are you going to sit on church chairs the rest of your life? Are you going to get up and you're going to do something with what you were chosen to do? 
I'm not mad at you, and you may get mad at me, but let me just tell you something. You, I'm trying to make you a happier person. When I talk about giving, it's not about the church. It's about you being a happier person because you're obeying God. When I talk about serving, yeah, we need you, but I'm not talking about it for the church. I'm talking about it for your sake because you're never going to be happy in any church until you do something with what you were chosen to do. I think we ought to pray. I'm about one sentence away from meddling. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for choosing us. Actually, thank you for choosing every human being ever born. You've chosen your creation. And so, Lord, today I pray that people who have not felt like they were chosen would rise up and accept your chosenness and step into their place in your chosenness. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray a simple prayer. It makes a profound difference. Accepting Christ, he's already accepted you. But you must accept him to have that relationship, for that relationship to be complete. So I want us all to pray this, and those of you watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, you've accepted him. You've chosen him. He already chose you. You are now born again. Regardless of what somebody tells you, they'll tell you you don't go to the right church to be born again. You don't do the right things to be born again. Look, this is not about you doing all the right things. This is about you loving God so much you want to do the right things. And you're going to have some success. All of us are going to have some, and some of us are going to fail miserably, like all of us. So don't quit walking it out. Don't quit living your chosen life because you make a mistake or mess up. Okay? Good. If you prayed that prayer and you say, this is my first time to pray it, or I really need to tell somebody, I've come back to a relationship with Christ, text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Put your name in there, SAVED. In your name, 405-513-10. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.